I thought I would start with a Thanksgiving joke, uh, but then I decided that this week that I'm going to quit telling um, Thanksgiving jokes. But um, it's been difficult for me uh, because I decided to do it cold turkey. <laughs> All right, this series, Gracious Gratitude, is a biblical idea that has been captured in the writings of Jonathan Edwards. If you were not here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message for some context on that. Uh, but Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan theologian philosopher, and he introduces this idea of gracious gratitude in his book, The Religious Affections. And basically, Edwards differentiates between two types of gratitude. Um, he differentiates between natural gratitude, which is kind of innate to all of us, of things that we are just naturally grateful for. Uh, during the season, we think about things that we're grateful for. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be thankful for certain things. We uh, are thankful for our food and our family and our friends and provision and all these things that are just kind of natural um, acts of gratitude and thanksgiving. And then Edwards differentiates between that and what we call gracious gratitude. Gracious gratitude is a response to knowing who God is, of responding and thanksgiving to God based on who He is, is something that is reserved for followers of Jesus alone. Um, and the, the idea of gracious gratitude is that we are thankful to the giver of the gifts. Natural gratitude is just a response to the gifts that are given to me. I'm thankful because of the gifts that I enjoy as a created human being living on this earth, right? Um, so I get to breathe air. I get to eat food. These are just the gifts that God has given us. And natural gratitude uh, directs us attention toward those gifts. So you're thankful for the gifts. Gracious gratitude, on the other hand, is directed toward the giver of the gifts. That it goes beyond just the gifts. That we are thankful for uh, the giver. That it transcends the gifts and looks to the giver of the gifts. And that only happens in relationship with Jesus. Now that I'm able to, to look beyond the gifts themselves and look to the giver of the gifts in gratitude. And the reason that is so important is because gracious gratitude transcends circumstances. Uh, we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, 16 through 18 last week, where Paul says, In everything, in everything, we are to give thanks, for this is the will of God. That we can only give thanks for everything, and understanding this idea that whatever comes my way in life, good, bad, ugly, uh, hilltops and valleys, that that is God working in my life. That it is God's gracious gift to me, even in the difficult times. And that's the way as Jesus followers that we can kind of look beyond our circumstances. We can look beyond the hills and valleys, the ups and downs. And we can think in terms of whatever is coming is for my good and is for God's glory. So it's for my benefit. And that is gracious gratitude. Um, here's how Edwards describes it in his work. Now, that gracious gratitude is the gracious stirrings of grateful affection to God. The gracious stirrings, okay? The stirrings in my soul of grateful affection to God. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is a response to who God is. It transcends circumstances. It is God working all things for His glory and for our good. And that's how I can say in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. So the worship songs of the scriptures that we call the book of Psalms, which is basically uh, lots of chapters that are worship songs, 
They are filled with response songs of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. We're going to focus on just one of them today, uh, Psalm 136. This psalm is one of what is called the Hallel Psalms. The word Hallel is where we get our word hallelujah. And so they are praise psalms. This is the final chapter um, in this kind of section of Hallel Psalms in the book of Psalms. And these praise psalms were cited and they were sang during specific times and specific seasons, different events by the people of God to remind the people who God is and what He has done on their behalf. So don't miss that. These psalms are a response to who God is. That's what worship is. It is responding to who God is. Responding to what God has done. That is the very core definition of what worship means. It is a response to God. Now, it's important that to say that God's people were prone to forget. They were prone to forget the goodness of God. And these psalms served as, the, as these reminders of God's constant provision, God's constant work. And so let's not push all this back, though, on the Israelites, because we, too, are prone to forget. We are prone to forget God's goodness. We are prone to take for granted who God is. And for that reason, we must be intentional. We must be intentional to recall who God is and what God has done. I mentioned last week the very practical way for you to do that that I encourage you to do is you have to be intentional, like write stuff down. Like in the month of November, um, I have taken uh, one of my journals and I've written in the front my gratitude for November. And I've written two things every single day. Now that I am thankful for, I have to be intentional to do that, to recall what God has done. Because by nature, I'm not an intentionally, and by nature, I'm not a naturally grateful person. None of us are. It's easy to complain. It's easy to look at the negative. You don't have to be intentional to, to complain and be negative, right? It's like, now let me, let me try really hard right now uh, to be really negative. No, it just comes natural to you. We're natural grumblers, natural complainers. We are prone to forget. And so what we have to do is we have to be intentional to be gracious. We have to be intentional to express gratitude, to be thankful. That's what I encourage you. A very practical way to do that is write stuff down, to recall who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, what He will do. Now, Psalm 36 is kind of this repetitive praise song. Um, 26 times the psalmist reminds us God's steadfast love endures forever. My glasses are right here. How convenient is that? Because I was getting ready to read my Bible. It was a miracle of God that they were just bam, right there. His steadfast love endures forever. This, this word, steadfast love, this translated steadfast love, is the idea of mercy. Um, it is the idea of God's constant Love, steadfast love, his kesed is the Hebrew word, his mercy, God's merciful and constant love for his people. That the reason that they are able to express their praise to God is because of the unending love of God for them. Eugene Peterson, in his um, paraphrase of this in the message, he translates this, his love never quits. I love that. His love never quits quits. That Psalm 36 encourages gracious gratitude. It reminds us who God is, what God has done because of who he is, and this invitation to respond in thanksgiving. So let's kind of walk through this text together. Uh, the first three verses set the tone. Uh, Psalm 136 verse 1, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. So the psalmist sets the stage. Again, this, this idea of give, give thanks, this word means to, to confess, to acknowledge something. Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner says, The psalmist calls us to thoughtful, grateful worship, spelling out what we know and have found of God and His glory and His deeds. Again, it's intentional. Give thanks, right? Thoughtful, grateful worship. I love that phrase. Thoughtful, it's intentional. Grateful, it is response. Worship. Give thanks to God. So our directive is to give thanks, to respond to who God is, the giver. In these first three verses, he told us, one, God is good. Right? God is good. He says again in verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Goodness flows from who God is. God can be trusted. He is a good God. And so we give thanks to God for His goodness. He also says God is great. He says He's the God of gods, the Lord of lords, that there's one and only true God. So His gracious gratitude is this idea of recalling His goodness, recalling His greatness again and again, reminding ourselves constantly of His goodness, reminding ourselves constantly of His greatness. Rehearsing and recalling in our hearts and minds and our souls again and again. The God that I follow is a good God. He is a great God. He is the one and only true God. Give thanks to God for He is good. And then the psalmist takes us on this journey to remind us of who God is beginning in verse 4. Verse 4, let me read just through verse 9. Um, as a matter of fact, as I read this, if you would like to read it like they would often do among the Hebrew people, um, I will read the first phrase of the verse and then you can respond as we read it, for his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, so I'll read to him who alone does great wonders, then all of us together, for his steadfast love endures forever. I don't think we need to practice that. Um, just, we'll just go together, okay? To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. Don't lose gas on me, okay? Verse 6, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 8, the sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 9, the moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. And so the psalmist takes us on this journey and he reminds us first that God created all things. That God is the creator. Created all things. Verse 4, he says, God alone does great wonders. Here's what that means when it comes to creation. God speaks and it happens. He speaks and it happens. He doesn't have to put stuff together. He doesn't have to plan. He doesn't have to gather material. God speaks, and it happens. Now, let's be honest. Humans pull off some amazing things. There's all kinds of shows you can watch on TV about things that we invent and create and the things that science can do and technology can do. My mind is blown on the regular when it comes to the things that humans can pull off, when it comes to technology, uh, when it comes to 
things that happen, right? Um, and again, just w whether you agree or disagree, or no matter what your opinion is on the whole vaccine thing, it is amazing that humans were able to pull off in a short amount of time something that can fight some type of virus. What? How does that even happen? Like, I don't even really know where to start, right? And humans pull off like crazy stuff. We've put people on the moon. How does that happen, right? How's a person walked around on the moon before? You're like my, my great grandfather. He he didn't he believed it was all Hollywood, right? That no one ever actually walked on the moon. It was just all made up by Hollywood. This happened in some studio somewhere. Uh, but we put people on the moon. Like that's the kind of stuff that humans pull off. It's it's crazy stuff. But God is in a category by Himself. Like who else simply speaks and stuff happens? We put people on the moon. God spoke and the moon appeared. What? He who does great wonders. His mercy endures forever. The universe is filled with the wonder of who God is. From the mystery of the tiniest atom to the vast wonders of outer space and oceans deep, all creation testifies of the wonder of a God whose mercy endures forever. Verse 5 said that, by his own wisdom, he put the stars in place. He put the stars in place. The, the band Switchfoot has a, a song called Stars. And in that, there's this lyric. When I look at the stars, I see someone else. When I look at the stars, I see someone else. Maybe my one and only ever Switchfoot reference. When I look to the stars, I see someone else. I love that lyric. Jeremiah 10 verse 12 says he has made the earth by his power. He's established the world by his wisdom. He stretched out the heavens at his discretion. Did you know that humans have spent countless time, energy, money, and resources to study, listen, a minuscule fraction of the universe? Outer space, depths of the ocean. We have spent and consumed Countless amounts of our hours, time, energy, resources to study just a minuscule fraction of the universe. God spoke the entire universe into existence in an instant. I struggle putting together Legos. All right, Levi's into Legos now. I'm like trying to help Levi out with the hard parts. I'm looking at the instructions like, who put these instructions together? This makes no sense. Levi's over there like snapping it all together. It's because, Dad, you missed it right here. <laughs> I'm struggling with Legos. God spoke and an entire universe came into existence. His mercy endures forever. The psalmist says he put the great lights in the sky. After speaking the endless waters into existence, verse 6 says, God called forth the dry land from the shoreless seas and continents exploded from their watery grave to proclaim His mercy endures forever. The great lights of our world, visible, think about this, visible to every creature in every corner of our immense globe can look to the skies and see sun, star, moon. No matter where you live, you can look to the skies and see the great lights. And these great lights announce His mercy endures forever. 
You ever stood outside on a cloudless night under a blanket of stars and just gazed? Each one fashioned and named by our Creator God. You ever felt the heat and intensity of a sun that is positioned at the exact distance needed in the universe to sustain life? Any closer to the sun, we burn up. Any further from the sun, we freeze to death. If the earth were a few miles smaller in diameter, the density of our atmosphere would be reduced to the point that the thinner air would not retain enough heat to sustain the life of earth. If, if, we were, if the diameter were a few miles larger, the thicker atmosphere would retain too much heat and life would simply evaporate. And we stand and wonder and proclaim His mercy endures forever. The precise orderliness of the sun, moon, and stars, how the earth rotates around the sun, allows us to live with seconds and minutes and hours and days and months and years and seasons. And time marches on and we are reminded with each turn of the globe, we are reminded that His steadfast love endures forever. Creation announces who God is. And we respond in gracious gratitude, wonder, and awe, and worship. Pause, recall, recognize, respond, remember God created all things. Be intentional. To remember God created all things. How big do my problems seem in moments of awe and wonder that God spoke and stuff happened? How big do my problems seem when I realize I serve and follow a God who spoke and the universe burst onto the scene. I see the stars and I see someone else. The psalmist also reminds us that God is in control of all things, right? He controls all things. So let's do our little experiment again. Um, we'll start in verse 10. I'll read the first phrase. You respond with, for his steadfast love endures forever. Uh, verse 10, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong arm and an outstretched, uh, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, Yeah, I just wanted to see if you'd pull it off without me. You did. Good job. It's like Ross when he stops singing up here and we're just like, are we supposed to keep singing? Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And he gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. Remember, God controls all things. The psalmist takes his readers on this this journey, this trip down memory lane, recalling the sovereign deliverance of a God who is in absolute control. The first section uh, recalls a time when God's people were held captive in Egypt's distant land. They were slaves, a people with no hope, no strength, no way of deliverance. And God steps into that space with a strong hand and outstretched arm and brings them out. With supernatural miracles and direct provision and clear direction, he sets his people free. And we are reminded his steadfast love endures forever. The next section recalls his victories over powerful kings and conquered territories and promised lands. He recalls his absolute and sovereign control over the most powerful forces on earth and remember that his mercy has no end, that he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords. The next section reminds the readers how God remembers and redeems those in need of deliverance and rescue. That we are people in need of constant redemption, constant rescue. And that His mercy knows no end. Remember, God controls all things. Like, What are you facing today that is controlling you? What are you facing and enduring that has control over your thoughts, your mind, your soul? What are you going through that controls your thoughts, your actions, your responses, your emotions? What enemy are you facing that disrupts your peace, your faith, your joy, your trust? Remember, God controls all things and His mercy endures forever. He remembers us in our lowest estate. He rescues us from our foes. It is who He is. The rescuer, the deliverer, the redeemer. That's who God is. And we remember that He is in control of all things. The last two verses remind us that God cares for all things. Verses 25 and 26 will Read this again, responding for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 25, he who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. 26 times. God cares for all things. The psalmist takes it street level in the end. As he said, God provides for all creatures. Jesus echoed this when he said, The birds of the air do not go hungry because of the Father's provision. And then he ends this beautiful psalm by saying, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. The God of heaven who enters our space, he considers us the undeserving. He lavishes his love on us, the unlovely. He shows mercy to us, the lowly. 
And Psalm 36 invites us to rehearse his unending love again and again and again. And we have to be intentional because it's not natural to us. It's not natural to us. And so we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional because we tend to be problem-focused. We tend to see what's right in front of us. The difficulties, the problems, the what's around the corner. How am I going to do this? Where is this coming from? What's my next step, right? How am I going to pay this bill, take care of this, mend this relationship? We are problem-focused people. And the psalmist invites us to rise above the problems and remember who God is. Remember what He has done. Remember what He is doing. That His mercy knows no end. His steadfast love endures forever. And the psalmist invites us and says, look at creation. Where do you see His unending love around you? Take a stroll down memory lane. Where do you see His mercy and His faithfulness in your life again and again and again? Look at the redemptive story God has been writing. Observe, watch, see, gaze on what He is doing in every moment of every day. That His love never quits. It never gives up. It never runs out. It endures forever. Remember who He is. Remember what He has done. Remember what He is doing. Gracious gratitude. He is a good and gracious God. And we are His people. Get your eyes up, City Church. Look to the God of heaven. See Him for who He is. It may not make your problems go away, but it might help you see what when life throws our way, it might help us see it from a different perspective. It might help us understand He is in control of everything. I can rest in Him. Does it make your problems disappear? But it does give us a perspective on Twenty-six times. The psalmist instructs us, reflect on the never-ending mercy of God. Maybe, maybe, 26 times, because the enemy works so hard to make us forget. Knowing that my heart is prone to wonder, prone to forget, prone to worry, prone to fret. This truth was so important that King David appointed singers whose job description was one thing. Repeat over and over and over again at the tabernacle Give thanks to the Lord because His mercy is everlasting. Years later, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the completed temple that Solomon had built, Solomon assigned worshipers to remind God's people over and over and over again, He indeed is good. His mercy is never-ending. That was their role. That was their job. To remind God's people constantly His love never ends. Even later, through the 
difficult years. Good kings, bad kings, more bad than good. It was King Jehoshaphat, one of the, the good guys, that allocated singers to lead God's people into battle, declaring, give thanks to the Lord for His mercy is everlasting. Are you picking up on a theme here? As God's people, people have been redeemed and rescued by the one and only true God. Our anthem cry in every situation is the same. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Gracious gratitude. Rehearse His love over and over and over and over again. John Piper uses this illustration that I'll borrow. Imagine your city is surrounded by enemy forces. These enemy forces have one goal, to destroy you. Enemy sympathizers live and work in the city with you. They have one aim, destabilizing the city's defenses so that the enemy can attack and win. Living in a city surrounded by enemies, working among sympathizers whose goal is to destabilize the city's defenses. And suppose that you discover that there is a song which the enemy and his sympathizers cannot tolerate, cannot approach, and whenever they hear it, they retreat and flee in the opposite direction. Isn't it certain that you would want to learn this song? And after you have learned it, you would sing it. Every minute of every day, in the morning, during the day, at night, at work, at home, at school, wherever I went, among family, friends, and strangers, it would be the anthem song of my soul. Because the song guarantees freedom. It is a song of deliverance. And as your confidence grows... You might even venture outside the city into enemy territory. And you might sing it as you walk boldly through enemy lines. The more embedded in your soul the song becomes, the more secure and stable and steady and deep and fearless your life becomes. Others would see the song and hear the song and learn the song from you. And in the end, the enemy would be conquered and he would be no threat at all because all of the people know the song. And the enemy runs from the song, retreats from the song, stays away from the song. 26 times the psalmist says to us, his steadfast love endures forever. Know the song. Embed the song deep into your soul. Know who God is. Know what God has done. Know what God is doing. Gracious gratitude. Respond to who God is. You know why? The enemy flees. He can't stand the song. What he wants you to do is forget to see problems first. He wants your heart to wonder. Embed the song deep in your soul. And the enemy flees. How do I do it? I'm intentional. I'm intentional to recall, to rehearse, to remember, 
to pause, to gaze, to stand in awe of who he is, the creator, the God who controls all things, and the God who cares for you. Gracious gratitude, the song of the soul.